Good morning, everybody. Um, you know, sometimes uh, God has different plans than uh, than we do, uh, but He's also behind the scenes, uh, getting things ready for those plans and uh, getting us ready for them as well. Uh, I am actually, uh, like you, probably a little disappointed that, that we're not hearing from Lawrence today, because I was excited about that. Um, but uh, certainly uh, we're praying for him, and I, I bet you that uh, he's probably just as much or more disappointed than we are for not being able to be here. Um, and, uh, and then honestly, the, uh, the, uh, it's, it's, it's kind of, uh, I don't know if bittersweet's the right word for it, but uh, last night when uh, Bruce gave me a call uh, a little later in the evening, I was like, Bruce is calling, what's going on? Should I let it go to voicemail? Do I really want to speak to him? <laughs> Did you hear that one extra ring, Bruce? <laughs> and I'm like, no, Bruce is calling. Answer the phone. <laughs> and uh, he let me know that um, that Lawrence was uh, having a little bit of difficulty. He was spending some time in the emergency room. We all know what that, that what that's like. And then uh, Bruce goes, so we need someone to uh, to possibly speak. And I was like, oh, oh. <laughs> A little too excited, I think. Uh, and he's like, well, you know, don't, don't rush it, Nathan. I'm going to give you Lawrence's number. You can call him and, um, and see, uh, see what, he, what he needs. So I gave Lawrence a call. I was like, Lawrence, how you doing? And he's like, well, I might need, I might need you to help me. And I'm like, that would be just fine. I could do that. I could do I could do it and uh and he uh and he was uh like well I will uh, kind of see how things are going here in the emergency room and um and then I will text you later on this evening. So I was like, "Oh, okay. Well, that's almost harder than uh, knowing not knowing." It's like I uh I I have a message that uh, God has been working on in my heart the last I'm going to say maybe 3 weeks. Uh, and it's uh, and it's along with the uh, one another principles, uh, so it really fits along. It's an encore, as it were, to uh, the message series that uh, we have. But uh, I mean, it's just kind of things that the Lord's been putting on my heart. I didn't have it all. Like you know how I am. I like to have things start with the same letter and and be organized and everything else. So I opened up my Bible and I started looking. I got a pencil and paper, and I was like, ooh, <laughs> ah. <laughs> uh, and then it's like, um, I was like, is it bad to say that I hope he calls me back and says I can speak? Uh, which he did, and I am here. Um, so uh, for, for I, I have to say it's from the Lord, but uh, I am sorry if I'm a little excited about the opportunity. Um, and, uh, and also, hopefully, because uh, I think Lawrence is probably going to listen to this message, that uh, he will also not feel as bad because it was like, you know, well... Nathan wanted, uh, or Nathan had a message as well. Um, so we are going to be looking at uh, this morning Ephesians chapter five, uh, verses eighteen through twenty-one, and considering the topic of how we are to be speaking one to another, how we are to be speaking one to another. Um, just to kind of get us uh, along the idea of uh, this topic and speaking to one another and, and how that can be sometimes a challenge. Uh, I have got a story from my grandfather who uh, was a missionary to uh, Central America. Uh, he helped start the uh, Nicaraguan Bible Institute. Uh, he and my grandma uh, kind of uh, grew up, got married, and started this crazy idea of them wanting to be faith missionaries during the Great Depression. Um, my grandfather would uh, would jump on the trains with the hobos. I don't know back then that's what they uh, that's what they called them. He'd jump on the train with the hobos to go to you know neighboring towns to speak on Sunday. Uh, and he needed to get the train back because uh, he needed to get to work on Monday. And you know back then jobs were pretty hard to find, and he had one. Uh, he tells the story of uh, he was going to miss the train. He was running, running, running. And all of a sudden, uh, someone reached out of the boxcar and gave him a hand and pulled him up. And it was one of the hobos, he said, uh, who had actually been to church on Sunday. And um, had, I was like, oh, he helped the preacher out. Um, 
So my, my grandfather told me this story, which, uh, you know, it's kind of a little old-fashioned, but uh, he said a, a gentleman went to uh, the rural community dance at the one-room schoolhouse. So you already can kind of get the scene, the Great Depression, uh, like old days. Because uh, his friends finally convinced him that uh, he should go to the dance. He was a little down. He was a little self-conscious because he had had an accident and lost his eye, and the doctors fitted him with a wooden eye. Back in the day, that's what they did to people. Uh, so they finally got him to go, and, and uh, he, was, um, he was at the dance, and he just kind of stayed along the wall, a little uh, self-conscious, and like, no one's going no one's, no one's to want to dance with me. Um, but towards the end of the evening, he, um, he spied across the room a young lady who had what they called back in that day uh, a hair lip, like a, a cleft palate. You know, a, a deformation of the lip. Nowadays, they would be able to um, do surgery and fix that. And you know, uh, but uh, but this this young lady was very nice. Uh, but you know, she she had her own reasons to be self-conscious. So he was like, well, surely she would not mind dancing with me and my wooden knife. So he finally worked up the uh, the courage to go over there and speak to her, and uh, and he said. Would you like to dance? And she, she, she like brightened up and smiled and she said, Wouldn't I? And, and he goes, Hair lip, hair lip! know if I can actually say all those things these days in the politically correct world, but that's why I precautioned it with it was my grandpa's story. So he's in heaven now. You can get him in trouble. But sometimes we don't say the right things or we react wrongly. Uh, you know, they both were very well-meaning, uh, but the communication that came out of their mouth was not very good. Speaking uh, one to another can be quite challenging. Um, how we communicate, what we communicate, when we communicate, and why we communicate to each other has real impacts on the body of Christ. Uh, it can either build up the church or burn it down. What we say, what we say with these little tongues in our mouth uh, can have real impacts. They can uh, be super encouraging. By the way, who all was very, very encouraged last week? I was like, you know, but if pastor, I told pastors, like, you should do that every week. You could trick us and like, you know, we can't leave because the song we have to still sing. And he's like, yeah, but I'm afraid people might start leaving if I did it more often. Um, but what a wonderful opportunity to just have 10 minutes where we couldn't escape and we actually had to speak to each other, um, which I think we do a pretty good job doing that anyway. But uh, that, was, uh, that was so encouraging to be able to do that. Uh, today in age, though, we have such challenges with uh, communication, whether it be, and I think when we talk about speaking to one another, we have to include our spoken word to each other, our, uh, our social media word to each other, our phone messages, our text messages. There's even, uh, I, I suppose you can have, uh, what's the buzzword these days, the nonverbal communication. Tim? Um, but all of those things you have to be, uh, you know, can be very challenging. Um, and if not done appropriately and biblically, uh, they can be damaging to the church. So uh, let's take a look at uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, uh, and we'll get into uh, the passage here this morning. Let me just move this a little bit farther back. Is this even on? Oh, it's not on? Well, then I will move it a little farther that way. Um, <clears throat> Ephesians 5.18, And do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord, 
always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father, and be subject one to another in the fear of Christ. As I read this and studied this and came across this, uh, it seems like uh, at first glance there's a lot of different concepts here. But uh, I want to pull four things out of this passage and bring them all back to kind of this uh, main idea that is in verse 19 of speaking to one another. So how does uh, speaking to one another relate to these four verses uh, that are grouped here together? Um, Turn your Bibles, if you would, to James chapter 3 and verse 2. You know, the idea of uh, speaking to one another and the tongue and the power of the word can be uh, pretty scary. Um, I remember reading in uh, James chapter 3 and then thinking to myself, well, it's like, ah, maybe I just shouldn't say anything. Um, James chapter 3, verse 2, we all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. So I'll be the first one to say that I'm not perfect and uh, it's, it's hard and I'm working on it and Jesus is working in me to help me keep my body in check and sometimes my tongue gets ahead of everything and, and we need to pull it back. Um, verse 3, when we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and are driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. And we used to all sing the uh, youth group song, right? It only takes a a spark to get a fire going. And that can be a good thing. And as a forest fire, that can be a really bad thing. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and it's itself set on fire by hell. I don't, I, I don't know that I want one of those. That's so scary. Verse 7, all kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It it is a restless evil full of deadly poison. No human being can tame the tongue, but who know who can? Jesus can. Uh, And uh, he can help us do that, and that's one of the things that we are going to uh, look at as we uh, consider how we are to be speaking with one another. In verse 9 here in James, with the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praises and cursings. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same thing? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grape vine bear figs? Neither can salt springs produce fresh water. Back to that closet that pastor's been telling us about. As we were saved, God gave us a whole closet with new clothes to put on. And we can put on those old things, those old words, those old way of speaking, the old hurtful, firing, dragon-breathing things that we used to say can all get put away and we can start speaking to one another in a different way which can build up and edify and encourage each other in the congregation. But I, I, I dare say as you read this passage, it is tempting to just say, that's it, I'm not speaking to anyone else ever. Uh, if, if you'd looked up a little bit uh, higher in the uh, verse there in the chapter in James, it says that uh, teachers should beware because that's a big responsibility. And I'm like, I know, and I'm standing up here by the grace of God. Um, because it is a uh, scary thing. When you see the the power of the tongue, sometimes we'd be like, well, maybe we just shouldn't use it. We should just not converse, not communicate with each other, not congregate. We'll all stay at home. Oh, wait a minute. You can't do that either. The body of Christ. 
We have to get together. We have to congregate. I tell you, it's beautiful music for the leaders of our church when we're here and we're all visiting and, and then, you know, you have to like interrupt us all with the announcement so that we stop talking and, and get ready for the rest of the service. But the pre-service is important as well. It's part of how we also worship when we have that sweet fellowship with one another. So I'd like for us to consider um, four principles as we look at these verses in Ephesians chapter 5, verses 18 through 21, to help us in our most basic functions as a, as a congregation, the function of speaking to one another. I think when you, uh, when you come here to this verse, I was excited to uh, kind of pull the principles out and find out that uh, these four things really do help. Uh, as I navigate the, uh, the daily aspects of my life and my communication to all those around me, and especially those within my family of God, because you are precious and I love you and we don't want to devour one another. We want our speech to be something that is edifying and encouraging. So first of all, uh, how do we speak to one another in uh, a way that is encouraging, edifying, and effective? I would uh, venture to say, as you look at verse 18, our speech to one another should be filled with the Spirit. Verse 18 says, Do not get drunk with wine, for that is dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another. I don't think it's too far of a jump to, uh, to, to see that uh, being filled with the Spirit affects our communication. We are to be uh, filled with the Spirit. Uh, turn, if you would, to uh, Galatians chapter 5. Verse 13, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. Do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. Rather, serve one another humbly in love. For the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one commandment, love your neighbor as yourself. And then verse 15 says, if you bite and devour each other, watch out, for you will be destroyed by each other. Every time I have read that, the biting and devouring, I look at it a little bit less like you do it with your teeth and you do it more with your tongue. <laughs> like, that's how, I, that's how I interpret that. Like, you know, sometimes the, word that we, the words that we say, I think of a snapping, biting, snarling, a mean dog. Not like the dogs I put on Facebook this morning. <laughs> My little puppies are, are too cute. They would never do that. But biting and uh, devouring one another is certainly not something that you would do if you were filled with uh, the Spirit. When I was a kid, um, growing up in Mexico, I forget who it was. It was either my dad or a, uh, a visiting speaker told us the story, and I think it was along uh, with this idea of being filled with the Spirit, and, uh, and I probably put it in coinciding with the biting and devouring because that's what stuck in my mind. But uh, the story was there was two dogs. And in Mexico, dogs are kept for protection. They're not like my little Chihuahua and Mini Schnauzer, Mitzi and Pepper, that are just there to be cute. They're there to, like, bite you. Uh, it's sad. They keep them on chains. They, uh, you know, they, they, uh, they're kind of mean to them because they don't want them to wag their tails. They want them to like really go after each other. But the story was there was a white dog and a black dog. You guys probably heard this before. They were chained and they were like close enough to each other that they could really, they really didn't like each other. They're like rawr, 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 biting and snapping and and uh, and the story goes that uh, one day uh, they got loose and then they asked the congregation, see, so you had the white dog and the black dog, they're really going after each other. The, the, the chain snapped, they got loose. Who do you think won? Huh? Well, 
nobody would uh, probably be the right answer. Uh, but of those two dogs, the one that won was the one that was being fed the most. So when you think of your life, it's kind of like garbage in, garbage out, or really good food and uh, nutritious spiritual things, and that's what's going to come out. Uh, if you are being filled with the Spirit, it's not going to be biting and devouring that comes out when you uh, get in front of, of your folks and you start speaking together. It's going to be things that are spiritual and edifying. As Christians, we are all indwelled and sealed by the Holy Spirit at new birth. So if you are a Christian, if you've been born again, you have the Holy Spirit within you. Now, there's a difference between that and being filled with the Spirit. Being filled with the Spirit has more to do with your uh, sanctification, with you yielding to the Spirit in all things in your life, being uh, in all things controlled by the Holy Spirit. You are full of the Holy Spirit, so what comes out is the overflow of spiritual things. To give you a kind of an illustration of that, my uh, back in the day I was uh, coming up to visit Sarah. So now you know that's like that was like 50 years ago. Uh, I was flying in an aeroplane, uh, and I packed up my my suitcase. And my sister Miriam was uh, she was like, oh, you know, I borrowed this coat from Sarah when I was up, you know, next to the Arctic Circle. And I brought it back down to South Texas. I don't need it anymore. And she was like, Nathan, can you take this coat with you back to Sarah? And I had just finished packing my suitcase. And I was like, no, I cannot. <laughs> and she was like, why not? And I was like, because my suitcase is full. What do you mean it's full? It is full. I sat on it and squished it down and zipped it. Nothing else will fit on there. She's like, well, she didn't believe me. So it's like, well, you know, there you go. So, so she unzipped it and it went poof. And, uh, and she was like, well, you don't need, you know, and she starts pulling. It's like, no, I need all that stuff. It's not full. I cannot, I, there's, I can't put that in. That's the same concept of being filled with the Holy Spirit. You don't have room for uh, sin and sinful things, uh, worldly stuff. You have spiritual things that are there. And uh, our speech, if you are being filled by the Spirit, will be spiritual. Um, can you imagine what your speech would be like if you were, so if you look at this verse in uh, Ephesians, well, what would your speech be like if you were full of alcohol? Well, that's something we don't want to find out. That would be bad. You would be, you're, 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 you're being, if you are drunk with alcohol, is being controlled by alcohol. And the result of that is dissipation or debauchery. Uh, it's not good. Uh, but, to use that as an illustration, if your life is filled with the Holy Spirit, you are now no longer being controlled by alcohol. You are being controlled, influenced by what? The Holy Spirit. And when you speak, that'll be evident. In fact, that's one of the, uh, you know, what's coming out of your mouth is probably one of the biggest things that uh, shows what you've been putting in and what you've been yielding your heart to um, as a Christian. So you wouldn't like to see your speech full of alcohol. Imagine what your speech would be like if you were full of anger or full of deceit or full of worldliness. But uh, it is different if you are filled with the Holy Spirit. What would your speech be like if you were filled with the Holy Spirit? It would be controlled by, guided by, full of the fruits of the Holy Spirit. Three things here on uh, being having a spirit-filled speech. A uh, spirit-filled speech would be bold. It's one of the things that the Holy Spirit does in our life. Uh, way back in the day, in like, you know, 2004 at Habitat, we sent a direct mail, the very first one, and you guys helped me fold it. We, we sent the very first direct mail campaign out to the, uh, to the community. Uh, somebody got that letter and didn't like it. I don't know why. What's there not to like? It's Habitat. 
But they didn't like it, and so while I was gone at lunch, they called and they left a threatening message on our voicemail. So not too smart. One, you're threatening people. Two, you're, you're leaving it on a recorded voicemail. Uh, so I listened to that, and I had uh, someone else was working with me in the office, and I was like, well, I could just ignore it. I'm not going to call the guy back. He sounds, um, oh, let's say, well, the human being back. <laughs> uh, it was a male. Um, it was like, I'm going to blow up your office and blow all the windows out, blah, blah, blah. I mean, it was a threatening message. So I called one of my board members, and I'm like, well, should I do anything? And they're like, you know, that's pretty serious. You should call the Virginia PD. So the non-emergency line I called, and a, uh, a woman, I don't know why it makes a difference, but it did to me at the time. A woman officer came to my office. I, if I'm not mistaken, she might be the chief of police now. Um, but uh, she came to my office, and I, li- I let her listen to the message, and she's like, yeah, that's definitely not good. And she goes, well, you know what, you could do a complaint, and he'd have to do things again, and blah, 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 and it's this big, long process. It's probably not going to go anywhere, Nathan. And then she got a great big smile on her face, and she goes, or you could let me give him a call for you. And I was like, ding, ding, ding. <laughs> so in the same way that I was to Lawrence, like, ooh, 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 I want to speak, um, she was like, let me call this guy for you. So uh, she wasn't very nice because she made me give him his name and phone number, and then she went back to her squad car to call him. I would have loved to have been a fly on the wall. But anyway, um, that's not me. I had no desires to have that kind of a conflict kind of filled call, but God had uniquely gifted her to, uh, to do that, and I was like, more power to you. Uh, needless to say, I never heard, uh, we never did hear back from the guy again. But spirit-filled speech, if you are being filled and controlled by and guided by the Holy Spirit, spirit-filled speech is bold. There's many, many times where I don't want to have a conversation because it might be uncomfortable. Um, or it might be like, well, you know, I'm an introvert and I'm a little embarrassed. And it's like, well, I want to tell, tell you something really cool that would be encouraging to you. But it's like, yeah, you know, it's just easier if I don't. But if I'm listening to the Holy Spirit in my life and that guidance, that gives me boldness. Especially when you talk about uh, sharing the gospel, but I think in all forms of speech, uh, it gives you boldness. Acts chapter 4, verse 23 through 31, I'll just give you uh, kind of the background there, uh, and we'll skip ahead probably to just the last verse, you can read more of it. But Peter and John, this was, uh, the church was really new, it's Acts chapter 4. Uh, they were preaching in the name of Jesus Christ and the, uh, the spiritual leaders of Israel got together and they, uh, they grabbed them and they threw them in jail. Um, and then they were like, well, you know, we want to be mean to them because we don't like them speaking in Jesus' name. Uh, and, then, and then they were like, well, let's, let's have them come out now. And they were like, no, you're going to have to come get us out because we're not going to just you know, walk out for you. So they brought him over before the leaders and uh, the leaders were like, absolutely, there's just no way you can speak about Jesus anymore. You have to stop it. And if you speak about Jesus, we're going to do all kinds of bad things to you and your friends and your family. Uh, So they gave him some severe threats. I can only imagine what those threats were, but uh, I can imagine. And then they, uh, you know, you have this great passage where Peter and John say, well, you know, do we obey you or do we obey God? We're going we're gonna to do what we're going to do. Um, but they turn them loose, and in verse, uh, chapter 4, verse 23 of Acts, uh, they go back to the congregation. So back to the, the, the house church as it was back then. And Peter and John don't hold back. It says they told the young Christians, the young believers, everything that those Sadducees and Pharisees had said. Like, wouldn't you want to hold back? Like, you know, don't tell them all the mean things they're going to do. Just say, well, they said some mean things, but let's just keep, uh, let's keep growing in Christ. No, they, they related all the threatening stuff. Uh, as a result, they went to prayer. 
Uh, and we'll skip to verse 31 then of Acts chapter 4. And when they had prayed, the place where they had gathered together was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak the word of God with boldness. Amidst threats, this was the first time that the church had really been persecuted, but the Holy Spirit gave them boldness. Uh, and for you and me, as we are speaking to one another, sometimes you need boldness. And spirit-filled communication can be and should be bold. There's so many times when you'd rather not say anything, but sometimes it's okay to be straightforward and unafraid uh, and bold in what you need to say and have this conversation. Spirit-filled speech is uh, also bright. Where'd you get that from, Nathan? Well, let's go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 5, starting at verse 7. Um, I think we've looked at this passage over the last bit with, uh, with our series as well. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 7, Do not be partakers with them, for you were formerly darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of light consists in all goodness and righteousness and truth. Uh, try to learn what is pleasing, to, trying to learn what is pleasing to the Lord. Do not participate in the unfruitful deeds of darkness, but instead even expose them. For it is disgraceful even to speak of the things which are done by them in secret, but all things become visible when they are exposed by the light, for everything becomes visible in light. Fast forward, fast forward to verse 18, and do not get drunk with wine, for that is of dissipation, but be filled with the Spirit. Spirit-filled speech is bright. There's no darkness. There's no deceit. It is the truth. If you uh, scooch over in Ephesians to Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15, um, we all know this verse, but speaking the truth in love, we grow up in all aspects into him who is the head, even Christ. If you are being controlled by the Spirit, your, spirit is going to be at, your speech is going to be absent of darkness. It will be true. It will be sincere. It will be bright. Um, one of the things that uh, I grew up... Now, when a dog is one year old, what do we like to say? He's really, you know, like seven years old. Like, you know, so we always take dog years and we multiply them to get human years. So in the Thompson family, we have something that we like to call dog language, which simply is our term for, well, someone is telling me something but they really mean this. So, that's, that's not good. It's not a compliment. You know, like just, you know, let your yes be yes and your no be no. If, if you need to have a, a difficult, you know, dog language where you're like, well, I, you know, that's an interesting color shirt, blah, blah, blah. You know, like, what are you trying to say? Uh, speak plainly. Um, spirit-filled speech will be sincere. It won't be like, double entendre, well, I really mean this, and maybe you'll get it. It will be bright. It will be clear. Uh, Spirit-filled speech, then, is bold, is bright, but it's also uh, filled and balanced with the fruit of the Spirit. Spirit-filled, that would make sense, right? If it's Spirit-filled, it's uh, balanced with the fruit of the Spirit. We just saw Ephesians 4.15, speaking the truth in... Love and the first fruit mentioned of the Holy Spirit in our lives is yeah Galatians five twenty two through twenty three but the fruit of the Spirit is love joy peace forbearance kindness goodness faithfulness gentleness self control you know when I read this as I was studying it this morning and I applied the fruits of the Spirit to my speech it has just a different flavor for me like when I talk to you. Is my speech to you loving? Is it joyful? Is it uh, bring peace? Is it patient or forbearance? Is it kind? Is it good, faithful? Is it gentle? Is it tempered with self-control? 
So when you think of that spirit-filled speech, your life being controlled and filled and yielded to the Holy Spirit, and you speak to one another, your speech should be bold, it should be bright, and it should be balanced. Let's go on to the, uh, the next one in verse 19. Um, I love this one. This is where this message uh, was kind of like started in my heart and mind. I came across this verse speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. In the NIV, though, this came across my computer because I get an emailed Bible verse every day. And it came to me in the NIV. I've memorized this passage in King James. Um, I'm a little old-fashioned that way. But, uh, the, uh, but in NIV, it had a different ring to it. And I'm like, wow, that's kind of interesting. Um, Verse 19, with the beginning of verse 18, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. It's like, that's a little different in my mind. Songs from the Spirit versus spiritual songs. It's like, wow, that's a song that the Spirit gave me. That's really cool. And so what does Nathan do? I'm like, ooh, who do I need to share that with? Because that's really cool. And I was like, well, you know what? Um, Wendy does so much with singing in the church. So I got on my computer, I'm like, Wendy, guess what? Blah, blah, blah. This is kind of cool. Songs from the Spirit. So I kind of nerded out on it just a little bit and sent it to her. She's like, well, that is kind of cool. I'm going to be thinking about that. Um, but uh, so your speech should be filled with song and scripture if you consider this verse. Speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing and making melody with your heart to the Lord. Well, we know what psalms are. You can find them in your Bible. Uh, I know what hymns are. I'm sorry, I had to go there. Um, I I love the hymns, the old hymns, and there's new hymns as well. There's plenty of new hymns. uh, But they're kind of like a chronicle of doctrine. They they really just tell uh, a message-rich truth dripping song. Um, So psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. So let me tell you, if you are walking with the Lord, being yielded to the Spirit, and taking in the Scripture, let's look at uh, Colossians 3.16, because this would be the sister verse to Ephesians 5.19. In your Bible, Colossians 3.16 It says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. So in uh, Ephesians 5.19, it's, um, well, verse 18, it's be filled with the Spirit. We talked about how that is like being full, being, you know, overflowing with the Spirit. But in Colossians 3.16, it's let the word of Christ dwell in you richly with all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another with what? Oh, it's that sister passage with Psalms. And hymns and spiritual songs, or songs from the Spirit, singing with thankfulness in your hearts to the Lord. Um, my grandpa again. So my grandpa was not a coffee drinker. I don't know how he was related to me. Um, but he was a tea drinker. Um, and when we came to this verse, he was like, Nathan, some people, they get their hot water and they get that uh, Earl Grey and they like stick it in there and they like dip it a few times and they put it out here and then they like drink their tea. And I'm like, that wasn't my grandpa. My grandpa would put that tea bag in there and then he'd stir it up and he'd let it sit there for a while and then he'd squeeze it. Um, and I even, when, when I do drink Earl Grey tea in honor of my grandpa, I just, after I do all that stirring and squeezing and everything else, I just leave the bag in there. Because I want it to like dwell in there richly. It's like just steep in that tea, get bitter and oh, that Earl Grey's got some kind of weird bitter herb in it that's just the best. You put a little heavy cream in there. Oh my goodness, it's so good. Well, how are you interacting with the word? Are you just like you know, dipping your toe in there? It's like, well, that was nice. 
Or you like, you know, just jump in there and like let it soak in. Like, you know, I, I read my Bible in the morning and then I listened to the Christian radio on the way to work. And then I got to work and there was an email with a verse in it. And, you know, and then it was so cool that I had to share it with Wendy. And let the word of Christ dwell. Let it soak in. If you're letting other things soak in, you will find that you're being controlled by those things. But in this sense, if you're being controlled and filled with and yielded to the Holy Spirit, uh, you're going to have spiritual songs and, and you're going to be talking about spiritual things, scriptural things. Your life will become a song that will be a testimony to others. Whether, you, whether you're literally whistling and singing, as uh, some of us are wont to do, or it's just singing its song. Uh, the fellow that wrote the hymn, In My Heart There Rings a Melody, his name is Elton Roth. So he was a contemporary around the time my uh, grandparents were ministering. Uh, Elton Roth, uh, the hymn, In My Heart There Rings a Melody, came to him suddenly while assisting with evangelism in Texas in 1923. Did you know they had evangelism meetings in Texas in 1923? I just think that's cool. It's like, you know, people have been doing this for a long time. That evening I introduced, this is his words, that evening I introduced the song by having more than uh, 200 boys and girls sing it at the open-air meeting, after which the audience joined in in singing. I was thrilled as it seemed my whole being was transformed into a song. He had let the Word of God and the Holy Spirit dwell in him, and the resulting uh, outflow was a song from the Holy Spirit, which he wrote down, and we're all still being blessed by it now. I have a song that Jesus gave me. It was sent from heaven above. There never was a sweeter melody. Tis the melody of love. In my heart there rings a melody. There rings a melody with heaven's harmony. In my heart there rings a melody, there rings a melody of love. So there, man, there's the flash mob for you. <laughs> um, but if, uh, if, if we're doing it right, our speech with one another in this congregation should be filled with song. We should be filled with the uh, Holy Spirit. Another aspect of it is in the next verse, uh, verse 20, which is always giving thanks for all things in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ to God, even the Father. Uh, I know it's, it still sounds like an S, so you're going to have to bear with me on my alliteration, but uh, it should be filled with celebration. I could have misspelled it. It would have made me feel better. But celebration, thanksgiving, giving of thanks. This is worthy of grace that I've been given. Um, always giving thanks, speaking to one another in thanksgiving. When the congregation comes together, there's always good reasons to celebrate. Uh, giving thanks is an act of worship. And as we come together, it's so great to be like, this is what God's been doing in my life. You know, there are times where even difficult times we can still give thanks. That's hard for the world to imagine, but it is true. Romans 8.28 says, uh, We know that in all things God works for the good of those who love Him, who have been called according to His purpose. He works all things for good, whether the thing that's in your life is not good at the moment, but God is using that in your life for His purpose, which will be for his good. First Thessalonians chapter 5 verses 16 and 18, if you know a little bit about the history of the Christians in Thessalonica, they were all worried and troubled because people had gotten them confused about the rapture had already come, the second coming had come and they were like, well, the people who passed away just missed out. They don't get to go up and see Jesus because they're dead, but everybody else is okay. This was the false teaching that was going on. So, uh, you know, the book of Thessalonians was written to, to curb that teaching and to be like, yes, you grieve, 
But don't grieve as people who have no hope. You will be able to see them again and rejoice in the Lord together. In that chapter, uh, or the, the book of uh, uh, the letter to the Thessalonians, towards the end there, has these verses in it. Chapter 5, verses 16 through 18. Rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Uh, your speech should be full of thanksgiving, celebrating God's work in your life, God's power in your life, God's sovereign control in everything that's going around in your life. Uh, here about a year ago, uh, probably one of, the, one of the days I could put in my life that was pretty difficult was uh, my dad's funeral. It was bittersweet because we were... Uh, celebrating his life and saying goodbye, but we know he is in heaven and we're going to see him again. Um, and I had a chance to, uh, as you can imagine, to say a few words at my dad's funeral. But as I was there and we got to the funeral place, and uh, this was uh, in, in Texas, it's probably more traditional, open casket. I got to see my dad there. Um, and the verse that came to my mind was this. This is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Because God made that day just like all of the other ones. And I actually did have things to rejoice about. God was in control. I could be thankful. Our speech as we speak to one another and interact with one another, our conversation as a congregation should be filled with celebration. Rather than backbiting, devouring each other as the world does, we should express our thankfulness to each other in the body of Christ. God in his sovereignty has gathered each one of us in this local body of believers. He's gathered each one of you here, uniquely gifted you to minister to one another. That's something worth celebrating. What, what a joy it is to be a part of of the evangelical free church and embarrass the body of Christ. The last thing uh, is uh, verse 21, which I can still see that in the realm of speaking to one another, speaking to, the, to one another, being subject to one another in the fear of Christ. The concept of submission is foreign and an ugly word to the world. If you, if you try to like alliterate a message and you look on the thesaurus, you get all kinds of ugly words like you know slavery and bondage. And... But the concept of biblical submission is a beautiful thing. We, uh, we respect each other. We allow each other to play the God-given role that God has given to us with each other. And we do so within those roles together uh, in, uh, in reverence to Christ. God has placed me here. He has placed you there. And we can interact with each other as part of valuable parts of the body. And I can be submissive to you in that way, and you can be submissive to me in that way. And that should and does make a difference in our speech. This would be a little bit of the difference. Like, you know, I am going to give... John, sorry, I'm going to use you for an illustration. I am going to give John a piece of my mind. I don't know if that's the most submissive. Or, can we say, I can speak to John as a valued member of my spiritual family. Even if I have some difficult things to say to him. Um, there's a difference there. That, that mutual submission that we have, whether it be to uh, the older women, as uh, like I would speak to my mother, the younger women, as I would speak to my sister, the little kiddos. Like, can you imagine if I went up to your kiddo and just grabbed all of them? like, don't do that! <laughs> that would be bad. <laughs> speak to the little kiddos in respecting our roles. Uh, to the pastors and elders, the pastors and elders, to the teachers, to, to the, all the, dip, the, 
the various ways in which God has gifted us to minister to each other, let ourselves play those roles, but communicate to each other with that respect and that reverence that God has placed us in this body and you are a valued member of that place. So being filled with submission is important. Just a quick illustration on that. Uh, Way back in the day uh, when Habitat was pretty new, uh, we had a homeowner that got upset. And then they wrote a, um, an editorial in the paper that was upset. <laughs> um, and uh, so Paul was, was uh, on the board back in the day, and I remember him saying, Nathan, get your notebook. We're going to make an appointment, and we're going to go speak to this homeowner. And he goes, as we were driving up there, he was like, here's the deal. We are going to go there and we are going to listen. And he goes, get your notebook and your job is to take really good notes. We are not going to defend ourselves and argue back and forth. She has agreed to speak to us. And honestly, we were coming from a position more of power because, you know, we were like Habitat. And she was a, a, a person who we were helping to build the house. So perceptions, etc. If she had things that, uh, that, that she felt we had wronged her with, we needed to listen. And so that was our role there today. Um, so she actually calmed down and, you know, we got her whole story and we said, thank you for sharing your perspective. And, um, you know, we could, we could then take that back and kind of process that and then get back to her. We had a really good communication. Uh, so I learned something very valuable uh, at that time that is that has followed me on. Sometimes you have to allow people to, uh, you know, our roles together, we need to be able to communicate. And our role at that point was uh, to be the listener and then to still have a speech that was, and I think it was at the time, filled with the Spirit. Um, you know, we, we did come back and, and uh, our speech uh, together as we worked through that situation was bold, it was bright, and it was balanced by the fruit of the Spirit. Uh, filled with song and scripture, because that's what was influencing our lives. There's some thanksgiving there, and there is submission as we work together. So, even as we were so effective last week, and I loved the One Another series that we have. I think it was so valuable for us to hear that as a congregation. So I was just excited to be able to add one more chapter to that as we continue to go forth in the One Another principles to speak to each other, to communicate to each other in this godly way. Let's pray. Father, thank you for uh, your word. Thank you, Lord, for uh, giving us uh, this message now, Lord, the uh, hard part is, uh, or challenging part, um, is to allow it to permeate our lives and to put it into good practice. The tongue, Lord, as you have showed us in your word, is, uh, can be a very dangerous, uh, damaging instrument, but it can also be something of tremendous blessing and praise when it is under your control. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.